Welcome back to the Berkey Guide podcast. With the Berkey Trail Run in the rearview mirror, today we're going to talk to a couple of the participants, Sean Cheshire and Jesse Crandall. What makes them unique, well, Sean in particular, is that she's actually blind. Jesse is one of the guides that she uses to compete in trail races and ski races and the like. She ran the marathon at the Berkey Trail Run Festival without being able to see an inch of it, so we're going to find out about her run there, how it all works, and some of the other adventures that she's had, including skiing the Berkey and bicycling in the Paralympic Games. We did have some very minor technical difficulties recording this because, partially, not all programs are fully accessible or at least as accessible as they should be. So if you're a developer, make your programs accessible. It makes everyone's lives easier, especially people with various impairments. Anyway, apologies for any audio issues in advance. I think I caught all of them uh, in the editing process that I could, but if we missed anything, shoot an email over to info at berkeyguide.com, and we, if needed, will put up a new cut. Thanks. talking here with Sean Cheshire and Jesse Crandall. And um, Sean is a vision impaired athlete and she recently completed the Berkey Trail Run and has also completed the, uh, the Berkebiner, I think, skate, Sean, is that correct? Skate ski, yes. And um, so we're just going to talk about what the experience was like uh, to both recently running the, the Berkey Trail Run as well as what it's been like in the past to run the, um, the, the, the to run, to ski the Berkebiner. And then, uh, and how that is different when you can't see the trail ahead of you. But uh, really quickly, first, why don't I just get a quick bit of your background from both you and uh, both, both you, Sean and Jesse? Um, Sean, maybe you want to go first? Sure. Uh, so my name is Sean Cheshire, and I'm 44. I've been blind, completely blind, for a little over seven years. Um, I lost my vision from multiple concussions, traumatic brain injury. Um, I was in the U.S. Army for eight years, and I've worked as a paramedic in Syracuse, New York, and that's how I met Jesse. He was at ESF finishing his Ph.D. Um, I am a blind person that uh, never learned how to cross-country ski when I could see, and um, I posed a challenge to... 
the coaches that I was introduced to and to Jesse to learn how to cross country ski on roller skis, uh, but also have never not having ever done it before as a sighted person. So it was it was really interesting to learn, you know, after the fact, after losing my vision. And, uh, you know, so when I met Jesse, I was very motivated and uh, really wanted to be an accomplished athlete, uh, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I think that was the beginning and we've pretty much had, uh, you know, a ton of uh, adventures together. Uh, I believe it was about maybe four months after my first time on skis, on cross-country skis in the snow, that we went and skied uh, the Berkey together. Uh, so it was not only terrifying, uh, but exhilarating as well. <laughs> so so really quickly, you learned to ski on roller skis without being able to see. Correct. So anyone who's listening to this, um, don't complain that skiing's hard because... That's that's impressive. Yeah, it was scary. And Jesse, you can see and you've been skiing for quite some time. I have been skiing for quite some time, yes. Uh, I grew up I grew up between Drummond and Cable, Wisconsin, and so I grew up on skis. I skied at Telemark back in the some of the glory days of Telemark and trained on the Berkey Trail when I skied for my high school ski team and uh, really love skiing up there. I think it's the greatest place in the world to ski, and and all of the trail expansions and and changes and upgrades to the Berkey events. Uh, watching that happen as I was there, and now watching it at, from afar has been really exciting to see. Um, I skied in college in St. Paul at McAllister College, and then I went on to do some coaching out in Gunnison, Colorado, at uh, what's now called. Um, Western Colorado University, and um, after that, I actually went to graduate school, and so that's where I met met Sean when I was working on my PhD, and I and we did a lot of skiing in Central New York, um, and then from skiing, we did lots of other types of adventuring. So we've we've done um, a variety of uh, road running races, everything from five Ks uh, to fifteen Ks, and and, and things of that nature. Um, I think we're going to talk a little bit later about the Grand Canyon adventure that we did, um, and then uh, doing a marathon. And it was actually Sean's second marathon. It was my first marathon, uh, my first true marathon, believe it or not, to do the Berkey Trail Marathon. So, and, and, and on the Berkey Trail, not on a flat road. Right. I've never done a road marathon. Yeah. So, Jesse, what when you're guiding someone, um, I guess running and skiing, and I guess Sean, feel free to chime in of what it's like to be guided. What is the process? How is that? How is it different, and how is it similar from just sort of going on a run on your own? It's a lot different than going for a run on your own. It's it's. I I really enjoy running and guiding or skiing and guiding, but if you can imagine the entire skiing experience that you have, but you have to be talking the whole time, or you're trying to look ahead of you and behind you at the same time, which sometimes leads to challenges, of course. Um, but really, as far as guiding goes, and for anybody that's interested in getting into it, it's all about communication and all about sort of having some discussions about, okay, well, what's helpful for you? And and what do I think I can provide for you, Sean? And then going out there and, and putting that trust in one another and then 
kind of taking direction and being able to communicate on the way and be sure that you just listen listen to I mean I have to listen to the feedback that Sean gives me so that I'm giving her the proper feedback and and really the the key is over communicate and then if if I'm saying too much she'll tell me to be quiet and so she can just enjoy the enjoy the feeling of the snow or enjoy the the jogging along the road but but really it's it's trying to describe as much as I possibly can so Sean what kind of things does Jesse describe to you and how do you transfer that into actually you know putting rubber to the road or, or ski to ski base to the snow uh, so I'll start with the skiing aspect first um, it, it I mean to just kind of go off of what um, Jesse was saying I think trust is probably the biggest aspect of a blind uh, VI working with a sighted person as a guide um, and knowing that my safety is important to them um i think is a a really big factor to be able to shelf some of the fear to be able to uh focus uh to move forward uh with you know a sighted guide and in you know for skiing i mean when we first started this i was very new to being blind so i was scared and when we had some we had some pretty rough moments where I was super frustrated and not because Jesse wasn't telling me enough, but because I was just scared. And so I really had to learn how to trust him and to listen uh, to him and to communicate to him of the things that I did need and I didn't need. So when we're out skiing, you know, at first it started out, he wasn't telling me enough because I was scared. And then I really had to just kind of take some deep breaths and not only take in the things he's telling me, but recognize he he really can't tell me everything. And I need to f- pay attention to the feeling on the bottom of my skis. And I need to pay attention to, I can hear him breathe in the microphone. So he doesn't always have to say something because I'll know where he is from how he's breathing. And I can hear his skis in the snow. And so once I kind of reassure myself and just to really pay attention to him, it's not so much about him always talking to me. Um, it's because it's I, if I listen to him, if I listen to all of him, you know, all of that noise, all that sound, then I'll know where he is at all times. And he's really good about pointing out um, drop off to the right, uh, you know, when he hits an icy patch where the, the snow's frozen a little, he'll give me a heads up because that's a little scary for me. Or if he hits uh, some frozen tracks uh, because your skis tend to stick in those and I might lose my balance, he'll give me a heads up of that. Like when we're going to turn, he kind of gives me an idea of uh, because he's turning before me. So if he makes noise through the turn, then I follow um you know, the noise through the turn in the, in skiing and, you know, for running on the road, it's, he's trying to avoid potholes. So it's step right, step left, um, you know, crack, you know, step up, step down, whatever he needs to tell me. Sometimes if he can't think of what to say, you know, he'll just push, you know, he'll move me physically, which is fine because I trust him. Uh, so that's, that's a lot of, you know, it's a lot it's a lot. I'm used to being mentally on all the time to be aware. Um, and I have to think about, 
you know, it's kind of like skiing with running is I have to think about what does it feel like every time I'm putting my foot down on the ground uh, because I don't want to lose my balance. I don't want to twist my ankle. I don't want to fall. So it's, it's, you know, it's paying attention to a lot of things at the same time. Yeah. And, um, for trail running, is that, have you done a lot of trail running or is that something that's relatively uh, new? So that was my very first trail run was the Berkey marathon. Uh, when we did the Grand Canyon, that was hiking. So we didn't try to run any of it, but we, we did run the, the marathon. There were only a few places of the single track where because I didn't have any poles really to use as balance that we kind of we really had to slow down just a little bit because I didn't want to get hurt. And you were able to do that pretty successfully to get through the the whole course without without falling or falling too many times? Um, I didn't fall at all which I was pretty impressed but Jesse is an amazing guide. I mean he's really good. Wow that's pretty impressive given that you were out you know for 26 miles on on trails and some I'm sure some people who could see the whole way took some spills. You say this was your first trail race, trail marathon, but you have done some road running, right? Um, so my very first marathon was this past March and it was the LA marathon. I had been home six days from racing my bike in the Netherlands at track world championships. I had no training, not one step other than walking around uh, to prepare for this marathon. But I thought, well, I had a couple weeks until road season started. And I was like, well, why not? I've, I've always wanted to, to see if I could do it. So I found some guide runners, signed up for the race. We went out, we ran it and we finished it in five hours. And I was like, oh, I was like, all right, that wasn't so bad. So I was like, yeah, I would totally do this again. And how did you, and you were, you were feeling okay the next day? So I was sore, but I, all I did was I walked up and down the stairs and I rolled my legs out and because, and I rode my bike. So because I stayed moving, I think, uh, I think that I helped myself by doing that, by not just sitting still. And, uh, but, but even going into the, when I talked to Jesse about doing the Berkey trail run, I thought, well, here's my new challenge. I want to see if I can do a half marathon and then a marathon in less than seven days apart from each other. And I did no running to prepare for this other than walking, uh, Tabata, like high intensity training, lifting weights, box jumps, stuff like that, but no running. And so I did a half marathon and five days later did the Berkey trail run. And I was less sore for each of those runs and had no running, uh, prior to that, uh, is, and so I've, I've, I think I use my fitness from the bike and from everything else that I do. And then I just go out and I run. So you might be, uh, this might be a whole new way training thing that you've discovered because that sounds like the opposite of what everyone tells you to do. I, it is the opposite, but it seems to work for me and I kind of like it cause I don't feel like I am pounding my knees into the ground. Yeah, there's something to be said. They always say for running, you know, you need to put on all the miles. And I guess there's probably a, a there, you can either do a lot of training and be, be well-trained or you can do nothing. And then, you know, you're not doing, putting all that stress on your legs, which is why we love skiing, because you can do it all day and your knees aren't shot at the end of the day. Right. But, but also don't forget probably one of the most important aspects to all of this that I have learned since I've lost my vision and especially since the Grand Canyon is that I have discovered the power of the mind and that my mind is far stronger than my body will ever be and I can push myself through anything. 
And uh, so I also think that that is works in my favor. And it sounds like you've had a lot of uh, opportunities to push yourself through a lot of different things and, and hopefully more coming up in the future. So there's, right. there's Sean's training plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've mentioned a couple times, both of you, the Grand Canyon. That was, uh, um, I, and I should give full disclosure that uh, Jesse was a, a ski coach of mine at McAllister College. I, I won't say how many years ago, just let's say a couple. Um, but that he told, he, he did a rim to rim to rim trip across the Grand Canyon and told me that it was a good time. And so I did that many years ago now. Um, but it sounds like, uh, this was a pretty, pretty exciting and special event, um, that, that either no one had done it before who was uh, blind or that you were b- the fastest person to do so it. So it was that the correct? first blind woman to complete the double crossing and we beat the current record for the blind man. Dan Berlin, who had a 28-hour record in 2017 from doing the double crossing of the Grand Canyon. And how long was yours? Uh, We finished in 24 hours and 15 minutes. All right, not bad. Now, um, for... for... And actually, the the extra 15 minutes, we would have been right at 15 minutes, but I lost a toenail on the the way up the last climb and had to to tape up my foot, which slowed us down a little bit. Well, you know, I guess... I was going to say that, you know, for 24 hours, for a lot of us, that would mean going out in the dark and coming back in the dark with headlamps. And I guess that was the case for Jesse, but Sean, you were, you know, day and night don't really matter for you. So you were probably happy to go and go and start and end whatever. Yeah, so I, I didn't mind, um, but I did wear a headlamp and we had a lot of questions from a lot of people that were watching us uh, do that uh, trek across the Grand Canyon was, if I'm blind, why would I wear a headlamp? And... The, it's funny because if you think about it, I have a guide in front and a guide behind me. And if they can see where my feet are, where I'm placing my feet, they can give me feedback because I'm literally just following the person in front with a bell who's telling me when to step, step up or step down. The person mm-hmm. behind me is giving me more verbal feedback as because they can see exactly where my feet are going to land. And so that's why I wore a headlamp. So that was just sort of to illuminate yourself so the guides Correct. can see you. Cool. And uh, for those who haven't done a rim to rim to rim, which I think we should would encourage everyone to do, um, what's the experience like of going down and up the Grand Canyon and then coming back? I had no idea that I was capable of doing that. Um, I went into it with a lot of, uh, with well, with some doubt and a lot of fear. You know, just wondering at that nineteenth hour, was my stomach gonna be? wrecked or was I going to be dehydrated and hallucinating and um and so you know it was uh it was definitely one of those tests of how powerful my mind is um versus how strong my body is and I I have a strong body but that was a definitely a mind um challenge and I still to this day think back to that experience and I'm just blown away that I had the ability to do that and I'm so grateful um, that Jesse and Sarah and Scott did that with me because it was I have all kinds of confidence now because of that and I guess for people who don't know this is 40 what did you do to the 42 or 46 mile version 42 and something like 12,000 feet of vertical Mm -hmm. yes and descent. Yeah, and and for me to do the Grand Canyon, I did it I guess looking at the the date today, it was actually just about exactly a year ago um that we did the Grand Canyon. 
And it was a, just about exactly 10 years before that that I did it for the first time, the rim to rim to rim. And, and the experiences that I had both times were pretty incredible. And I learned a ton both times about, you know, the first time I did it about keeping myself fueled. Um, and then the second time that I did it as a, as a guide, I learned a lot about guiding. Um, you tend to learn a lot of things when you start crossing the six hour, the 12 hour, the 15 hour, the 20 hour mark in events. And I learned a lot about guiding um, in that, you know, as my, as my mental acuity starts to wane with being tired, how much focus it takes to be a guide and how much, how much I have to just really, really try to be sharp so that I'm keeping, keeping Sean safe. Um, and, and just the, the sense of camaraderie and teamwork that we had with the four of us that were, that were on that, that trek. Um, it was, it was quite a, it was, it was quite an amazing experience. Yeah. And is there a video? I know there's some, been some, is there a video of that or, uh, some writing about that? People want to find uh, more? Video that we can email you. And it looks like the easiest way to find that is go to seancheshire.org. Or if you just Google John Cheshire Grand Canyon, it'll certainly come up. So 2416, 2415 for the Grand Canyon. Um, how long did the Berkey Trail Run take? Six and a half hours. Six hours for a lot of people on a trail like that would be a pretty good day. And, you know, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't see where you're going. So that makes it certainly a bit harder. No, and there were some single tracks where we really had to slow down, which was really frustrating for me. But uh, I thought we did great. Yeah, that's, you know, I'm very, very impressed uh, that that you're able to do things like that at all, because I, I can imagine, I couldn't imagine shutting my eyes going down any one of the, the hills in the Berkey, and you do them all with your your eyes shut on, on foot and on skis. Um, what, now, you've done a lot of other, what are, what are some of the other sort of highlights of your recent uh, athletic uh, endeavors been? Uh, well, I just recently retired from racing a tandem bike for the USA paracycling team for the last six years. Uh, went to the Paralympic Games in Rio in 2016, multiple national championships and uh, World Cups, World Championships. Um, but I just uh, recently retired to uh, focus more on these outdoor adventures and um, doing some different things. and. We just got that we're working on getting our non-for-profit uh, going to start reaching out and encouraging other blind and visually impaired uh, individuals to be active and to do some fun things. Um, so I think that the I think the next big thing so far, uh, I'm Jesse and I are talking about doing the Berkey again, but we're um, I've been posed with um, doing the Baton memorial death march in march across the mm -hmm. desert in in new mexico which is a 26.2 march and knowing me i probably will do the heavy which is carrying a 35 pound pack on that march and that's a that's a thing that a lot of military veterans do in the active duty yes jesse and i are running the army 10 miler this weekend in dc all right, that sounds like, you know, should be easy given what you've been doing recently. <laughs> I, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, best of luck there. And um, now, are you you're, are you living somewhere where you can ski much, or are you mostly on foot and bicycle these days? Uh, so I'm currently in California, in Hermosa Beach, but I 
travel everywhere. So I'll go to Jesse during the winter to get on. We're going to start doing a lot more cross-country skiing. I didn't do a lot when I was cycling. So, and cross-country skiing has always been my passion, much more so than cycling ever was. Uh, so I'm very excited about getting back to that. Is there a uh, blind or visually impaired Paralympic team for cross-country skiing? So there is, but there is no uh, support in the United States for stand-up skiers. They have a lot of support for the sit skiers, but not the stand-up skiers. We'll see how I do. If Jesse ever feels like I'm competitive enough and we roll into some of the bigger races and I can get I can get better at where I place, you know, maybe we'll roll into nationals or something and and see how we do. I don't know. We'll see. The world is my oyster. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, that sounds um, pretty pretty exciting that you have that ahead of you, and uh, hope to see you out on the trails this this winter. And um, I guess uh, you know, always I'm sure there's excitement to have you uh, you and other. I know I know there are other visually impaired skiers at the Berkey because I know I talked to I think one of the guides for the. Um, exceedingly long podcast, which should precede this one in your podcast feed. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you're in the in in the Berkey for the for the race, uh, make sure to catch up for that, and uh, hope to see you out on the snow. And and uh, Jesse, same same as well to you. And um, thanks very much for chatting. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sean, and thank you, Jesse, for coming on the podcast. And if you're wondering, Sean ran the Army 10-miler in one hour and 31 minutes in Washington, D.C. As we mentioned, you can find out more about Sean at seancheshire.org. This is apparently very hard for me to say, um, but seancheshire.org. Uh, and you can follow her on Instagram at choosing2c, with the number two for the two. So C-H-O-O-S-I-N-G, the number two, S-E-E. The music on the podcast today is from Blue Dot Sessions, and that's playing the background right now. And the program was produced by me for whatever faults it may have, so thanks for bearing with me slash us. Uh, as always, producer emeritus Sam Evans-Brown, who did a much better job than me, of course, gets a shout-out. Um, New Hampshire Public Radio, Outside In, good podcast, listen to it. Uh, tell them you sent us. I think a couple people actually have discovered it through this podcast, which is kind of cool. Um... So, yeah, thanks. The days are getting shorter, uh, which means that winter is on the way, which means that hopefully you'll be hearing from us more soon. <laughs>